Oh, snap, snap, snap. The world is finally waking up to the crap that's baked into and sprayed on kibble dog food. No longer can commercial pet food manufacturers fool us with pretty pictures and false promises. This is the raw dog food truth. The view and opinions expressed on this podcast are not intended to replace medical advice. Before starting any raw diet, do research, ask lots of questions, and consult your vet. Well, hello, Raw Feeders. I'm Dee Dee Mercer Moffat, the CEO of Raw Dog Food and Company. Where your pet's health is our business, and we're friends like my friend Neely Piazza. Well, we don't let friends feed kibble now, do we, Niels? Absolutely not. Are you sure? Absolutely not. Never. Yeah, but you know, there are some folks out there, Neely, when they're talking about myths, and these are long-term raw feeders, they're going to say, hey, there's a myth that you can't mix kibble and raw. Now, we're not saying you can't. People do it all the time. But we're saying sometimes. Yeah, with you. Well, that's the question that I want to ask. But the other thing is, Sometimes you uh, you could do it successfully without them vomiting or having sloppy poops. It doesn't take away the fact that kibble's still uh, full of carcinogenics and toxic crap and preservatives and synthetics. So again, that's the that's the question you just asked. Why would you? Yeah, why? I mean, that's why a certain celebrity person who will go unnamed i just can't get on board with because you just can't i can't justify continuing to give any to give something toxic and then feel good about the part that is not toxic i just well, i can't i can't get behind that well first of all that celebrity person who remains unnamed is straddling a line so that they get both sides of the uh i know i know uh, it's, sales it's, i well and you know, mm-hmm. I kind of think some of it was good intentions that were forced to to split. Forced by who? Well, I mean, you know, it's like, how do you help the biggest number of people possible the most you can? And there's a lot of stuff that they do that is really good a lot of information is really good and implementable and usable and all so i'm not saying that and i'm not saying that it didn't start with trying to help the most possible but i just can't get behind that portion of it which i get you why, which is why i just can't do the you know mixing kibble and raw i just i can't I've seen it. I know people say there's no evidence one way or the other. One's better than the other or not. And there's very strong opinions about it. But I have a very strong opinion about it because every failure that I know of, they were mixing. And when you say failure, meaning that they didn't continue on with raw? Something something dramatic happened. Dog got really sick. They ran to the vet and came back with a prescription kibble or something like that. And they didn't stick to it. And they went back to total allopathy and toxic food and all that kind of stuff. So every time I've seen a failure like that happen, it's been because when they transitioned, they did it slowly and mixed. Or they started mixing. And then they freaked out because 
as we all know, it's they always blame the raw, never the other, because they were doing fine on the kibble, and then I added the raw, and they everything went to hell in a handbasket. It's like, well, yeah, that's not really the way it happened, but okay, whatever. Yeah. Well, I'm so every come- time I've every time I've seen that happen, it's been because people were mixing. So that's why I have a strong opinion about it. Plus the whole I can't talk myself into being okay with giving anything that I know is toxic like that. Come on. You don't want to poison your dogs? No. Not today? All right. So in in one of these uh, Celebrity Vets books um, in regards to a myth of feeding kibble and raw, there is something that we do agree on. And that is if you are going to feed kibble, do not feed raw meaty bones. All right. Do not do raw meaty bones with kibble. Why? Because uh, raw meaty bones are competing. They're they're a lot heavier. They're competing for gastric juices. Okay. Um, and the stomach is churning. Forcing- well, the pH is too high if you're feeding kibble. It's too alkaline. So you start putting bone in there, you're going to end up with a real problem. Yep, and people do it, and then they're like, oh, my dog can't eat raw. And, and Neely, I don't have a good response. Uh, I Sometimes I just say, okay. But what you just said was people say, well, they were doing fine on Captain Crunch and Cheerios. They were doing fine. And then I put them on raw, and they're not doing fine. Well, you and I would say, well, what does that mean? Right. Exactly. What does that mean? And, and, and is that really that bad? Meaning... Well- is that really what it is, though? I mean, there usually it's a detox reaction and doesn't have anything to do with. And people, we've talked about this a, a bunch of times. People freak out about diarrhea. It's like, and I it seems like I told you the other day I was in one of Dr. Billinghurst's. Um, I don't remember if it was a class or a Q and A, but he's like, projectile diarrhea is a good thing. It's the body's response to expelling something toxic. You don't want to suppress that. You want that to happen. But the problem is people assume that that something toxic is the raw food rather than the body being like, oh my gosh, thank goodness I can get rid of this other stuff. It's it's the other toxic crap it's trying to get rid of, not the raw food. Anybody that thinks raw is toxic and kibble is clean and healthy needs to go have their brain checked. Or they they need to do a little research for sure, and <clears throat> you know I I I'm really big right now, and and will be forever. If your vet makes a statement, we need to have that statement backed up by real facts, real control methods, right, Niels? So you know, uh, Brian said you've gotten a lot of mileage out of the septic thing because it really gets in my crawl that a vet told. This pet parent that they're that they've seen dogs go septic on raw. And and so I want them to give us a step by step how they made that correlation. Is it just the core? Oh, they were doing fine and then they had the raw and then they went septic. Okay, that that does not make it true. Correlation. That doesn't doesn't make it. And and yeah. if you're if you're somebody, going somebody made that somebody made that up. Well, I I want our pet parents to start asking, are you PSOA certified? Are you PSOA certified? 
because I think most that? most vets are. They pull shit out of their ass. Their that, ass. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I sorry. I, I, I probably could have cleaned that up and said pull stuff out of sphincter. I probably could have said P S O S. Right? Okay. All right. But but it you can go either way, depending on your personality. Are you are, are seriously are you must be PSOA or PSOS certified, are you? Right. And then they're gonna go, what is that? Just like you did. And pull stuff out of your sphincter. <laughs> I'm serious. Yeah. It's not it's I, not again, my that my whole thing. Nothing good ever comes from going to the vet. Don't freaking go. The tests are worthless. The you know, they're not gonna see anything that you can't see. You can look in their mouth and see if their teeth are dirty. You can get a stethoscope and listen to their heart. You can take their pulse. You can look up what what the parameters for that is. You can tell if your dog is acting weird. You can tell if there's a mass somewhere. You can look up the picture of the, uh, you know, the um, um, physiology of what's where. You can t- you can tell if something's weird. You're gonna know a whole lot better than a vet's gonna know. And those freaking blood tests don't mean crap. I'm sorry, they don't. They just don't. Well, then why are we going? That's what I keep asking. I've been asking that for three years. Okay, but I'm asking you from what you hear, not what you know. What do you hear? Why are they going? Oh, I just want to have a health checkup. And I was like, well, okay. And now all of a sudden I have a... I have a person, I think I've mentioned this before, has a dog that had a cough. Had had a cough for 18 months. Mm -hmm. Just random cough. Mm -hmm. Went to the vet. Oh, her heartbeat is irregular. Next day, went to the cardiologist. Okay. Was on, the cardiologist put it on four or five different drugs. And even the cardiology report said, mild possible you know could be may lead to that's all it said evidence you know some evidence of two or three days later dog couldn't walk projectile diarrhea puking wouldn't eat you know lost 10 pounds all this stuff and i'm like um is any of that going on before no well don't you think maybe it's because of the drugs? Yeah, but it's her heart. Like, <laughs> oh, okay. So is that any better? Well, I don't know. So, anyway. so the dog was fine, except it had this cough. Yeah, and it's an old dog anyway. I mean, why would you? Why would you put a? A dog that has already lived five years past its life expectancy for all averages. That is happy and for the most part doing fine. Why would you put a dog through that? Why would you do that? I don't know. So that would have been a good question for your pet parent. It's like, what are we trying to do? I I know. I was I was Unlike what y'all hear on the podcast, I was very subtle and diplomatic and kind and wait, you were, you were what do you mean asked, you were different? <laughs> asked that 
and went right over their head. And then about a week into it, her regular her regular vet and another alternative healthcare provider that she sees also both said, Well, of course it's the drugs. And but nothing changed. So You mean she stayed on the drugs? Yeah. She stayed on the drugs with the dog not being able to walk very good and having projectile poopy doopers. Well, I mean, that was the initial thing. The symptoms changed and all that. But that's the kind of indoctrination and fear that takes a hold of people that they can't, you know, they just can't look past it. And, you know, if she hadn't gone to the vet, none of that would have happened. He would have still coughed. And it probably, yeah. it didn't, it didn't uh, change the cough. No, I don't think so. Okay. See, see, now this, this is my problem with chemo. I'm just going to go back to the chemo thing, right? You got to have chemo to live. You got to, that's what they say. And yet you go in and have a chemo treatment and you can't even get yourself up to stand for the next week. You can't eat. You're losing weight. It doesn't work. You know, that they're, their parameters that they measure all that stuff by are so warped. You know, they call it successful. They even had to change the time frames. You know, it's like if you if you live for a year, it's successful. Well, how is that successful if you're flat on your back, can't do squat for that year? I'd rather live six months and be normal than... And even then, most people that don't do it and just take control of it themselves do way better. Yeah. Yeah, it's um it's it, it's crazy. I was just talking to uh Dr. Jasek yesterday on the podcast about uh painkiller. I just finished watching that show about the Sacklers and Oxycontin. Have you seen that? I don't think so. Oh my gosh, Niels, you need to watch it. And here's why. Because you could put the word in flantic, heartworm, rabies vaccine, lepto in any of that of that documentary. And, and basically what it shows is the mindset and the determination of this family, the Sackler family from Pardue, um, to sell a drug that they knew was was killing people right and and they figure out how to change the mind of the the one person the one doctor that was standing in their way to get fda approval and they honed in on that guy and that guy ended up going to work for uh pardue and but what what i hope that the parents take away from that is the marketing the mindset that they use on pet parents, um, you know, this was a highly, highly addictive drug. And you had these cute little um, young girls going in and selling it to the doctors. And this one girl uh, walked into a doctor's office in the middle of a protest. And she said, if these pet parent, uh, pet parents, I said this to, on the last 
podcast. If these parents were better parents, they wouldn't have junkies as kids. That is not the case at all. Not the case at all. No. These were great parents um, and they trusted their quote, quote, the PSOS, the doctors <laughs> who were just regurgitating the crap that Pardue came up with, which is exactly what we've seen in the whole COVID thing that they're trying to bring back. Well, I think we should just change it. You know, not only are these people indoctrinated and trained in PSOS, but they're just straight up POSs. Yeah. Yeah. You definitely see that in this whole um, watch Dope Sick, watch Painkiller. You kind of wonder, are these real human beings? Are were, are they void of a soul? Because it does appear that they're soulless. Something, something's missing. Something is missing. Can you be that um, yeah. guided by money that you do not care that you are destroying people's lives? And I say that because you see the pain in this show. Well, we see the pain with pet parents. I know. They're, and they're, they're, and and we catch, we catch a lot of the flack too. It, you know, I mean... So many people are just convinced that Dr. Whitecoat knows what he's doing and is God. And so many of them act like that. But, you know, it can't be what they're doing. It has to be real, appropriate food that's doing it. It's ridiculous. People just... But, you know, you can't let the people off the hook either. You know, I mean... I've been saying for years, take control back. You know, don't just blindly trust anybody. Take control back. You know, if you, like, seriously put the effort in and look into stuff and still decide to go that way, well, okay, go ahead. I'm not going to condemn you for it, but, it, you know, if you just blindly listen to what they tell you, then that's on you. That is super hard. Um, and, and I think, uh, you know, as, as we say, you got to get prepared while the issue isn't dire. Okay. You've got to get prepared while the situation isn't dire because you, you can't think guys, you can't yeah. not yeah. think in the midst of, in the midst of the crisis, your brain goes blank. Right. You know, it's kind of like that whole thing. You know, 10, 15 minutes after an altercation, you come up with like 30 things. Oh, my gosh, I should have said this. I should have said that. I could have, you know, why didn't I think of that? Why didn't it's because in the midst of it, your brain goes to mush. Right. It does go to mush. And so we want to help our dogs. I know that everybody wants to help their dogs. When you're in fear, you tend to make, you know, um, Quick decisions. Irrational decisions, yeah. Yeah. I want to ask you about diabetes. Um, I want to ask you about diabetes. And then I want to ask you about uh, when things don't turn around as fast as we want them to. So first, I want to talk about diabetes. Um, why does a dog get diabetes? Kibble. 
Carbohydrates. That's why they get um, pancreatitis, too. Doesn't have anything to do with fat. So they're not just born with this bad luck DNA, bad organs, bad lineage. There are things that we can do to help prevent diabetes. And yet, um, I see where... I'm not still- gonna say ty- I'm not gonna say type one doesn't exist because I haven't looked into it really, you know, mm-hmm. where but you know the treatment's the same, basically. There there are some individuals that are less um um what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. It sounds like what? How many syllables is it? <laughs> <laughs> they have a, a a less hearty constitution than others, you know. They're, they're not as healthy, okay. A weaker vital force, however, you know, um, however you want to look at it. So they're and they're not all gonna respond the same. Their experiences and exposures have been different, their heritage is different. Um, but you know, ultimately the treatment's the same. Yep. No tox, no toxic stuff. That's the first thing. That's about the first thing I tell people. Everybody I talk to, the first thing you have to do is limit toxic exposure as much as humanly possible. And then we I... go we go through some of the stuff that 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 you know is more obscure. That's yeah. one thing that the unnamed celebrity vet is good at pointing out different places that toxic exposures come from that people don't think of. There's a lot, lot of that, and there's um, some really good solutions you can find from there too. So, yeah, kudos there. Do you think that uh, a dog can recover from diabetes? Maybe. I have heard and we have seen. I mean, can can you? Yes, absolutely. Will you? I don't know. Depends on the dog. Well, and the other thing too is I've seen many times where a diabetic dog getting off kibble, getting off the processed food, that's number one, getting off those processed treats, getting on a raw diet, that their insulin level will decrease right? That the insulin level that they need will decrease. Now, what, what, do you know what the long-term effects of using insulin are? Well, it makes everything less, everything in the body less, um, sensitive and it, the body starts producing less of its own. And so, you know, you come basically hyper-reactive or unreactive, however you want to look at it. That's a, that's a, that's a real tough one. Uh, that's a tough one on our pet parents. And, uh, I well, it's think all about sugar. It's all about taking sugar out of the blood. And if you are feeding kibble, you're constantly bombarding it with, with sugar and huge spikes in blood sugar. Whereas you, that doesn't happen with raw cause there's no carbohydrates in it or simple carbohydrates, even if you're feeding, which you should be feeding at least a little bit of veg, mm-hmm. it's different. 
and that's more for the bugs than the dog anyway. So remember Dr. Cowan was talking about this in his live and he said um, in that session we were in and he said, you know, the body requires more insulin. And he said, but why does the body make a barrier? Why is the body making a barrier? Um, what, what, what is this? Is this resistance? You know, the body is making a barrier, a strategy, right? What, what is, what is the body doing? So I love how he looks at things. He's saying, why is the body making a barrier to insulin? It's a resistant. The resistance is a strategy. Yeah, everything the body does is a strategy to help itself. And and people take that as illness or symptoms or whatever. Whereas, you know, take away the the. Um, or help it complete the strategy instead of fighting with it and get out of its way and you have a whole lot better a whole lot better time of it that way and a whole lot whole lot bigger chance of recovering from whatever's happening right so his question is how do you assist the body to help it stop making a barrier or take you know take away whatever's causing it or is that even a pathology you know there's a lot of things the body does that people say you know like high blood pressure that's not necessarily a pathology it's a strategy and it doesn't really on its own have any bearing on anything it's a strategy to help fix something else so if you artificially lower the blood pressure you're interfering with its strategy to fix whatever's going on without fixing what it's trying to fix. So double whammy, you know, and who's to say what, you know, they just kind of arbitrarily say what normal blood pressure is. In fact, they changed it a couple of years ago. It's not, again, you know, it's all, all of these, all of these, uh, risk factors you want to call them just like you said earlier it's just correlation there's no causation in any of that it's everything all of these risk factors for everything is correlated so if you think about it their strategy there there's so many things and we we've lost the ability to think critically about it because the fireman because every little thing you go run into the vet well the fire the, the firemen must be causing the fires because they're, they're always there. there all right let's talk a little bit about um when a pet parent has an issue they understand the concept of putting toxins in the body does not help the body heal However, the healing process taken a really long time or longer than they would like. That's hard on you. It's hard on a naturopath. It's hard on a holistic vet. And I think this is why folks go running back to the allopathic ways. But I guess the question would be this, Neely. If we have a dog that 
um, is needing some some um, holistic strategies. How can we tell that it's actually working and that the dog is not in a compromised position, right? Because I think this is what people think in um, in in holistic medicine, and certainly the narrative out there doesn't help. It's like if you don't get the allopathic prescriptions, well, your dog's going to possibly be in a worse place uh, and maybe never be able to come back from it. So how how do how do we work with with that feeling? Number one, that is a feeling that our pet parents have, and it's very frightening. Um, and the reality. How do, how do we do that? Well, allopathy doesn't cure, period, ever. Never cures anything. It manages symptoms. Symptoms are the body trying to heal itself, trying to fix what's happening. So you need to work synergistically with the symptoms. And some people can't handle that. And a lot of natural processes take a long time. But again, that's because of the damage that allopathy has done the more the more suppression that has happened in a dog's life for anything the harder it is to cure anything so suppression would be steroids antibiotics any of the quote unquote allergy things apoquil cytopoint atopica all of those any kind of suppression, any kind of skin symptom suppression makes things off the, just go off the charts. And every time they return, they're twice as bad and 10 times harder to uproot. So, you know, if you want to keep running back to allopathy because it fixes it in a day or you see the symptoms go away in a day, you need to remember that you didn't cure anything. You stopped the body from healing itself. Expect more problems in the future and expect your dog to not live as long. And, you know, and sometimes, you know, sometimes that may be the right answer because sometimes a dog is just so miserable that there's just not anything else you can do. And if they're close to the end of end of end of life, make them comfortable. You know, that's not my decision to make, but that's that's the way you have to look at it, and that's the choice you have to make. Make an informed choice, at least. What? Why does Cytopoint or Apoquil, either one? Why does it stop working? Like you know, it, you can give it to a dog and pet parents because the the what the body's doing is a strategy to get rid of a toxic thing everything toxic tries to come out through the skin initially that's why if you suppress skin symptoms you're pushing stuff further further down deeper you end up with cancers and organ organ issues and organ failures and tumors tumors internally and things like that because you're not letting the body push stuff out so the more you suppress the more that builds up 
So the next time it comes out, it's pushing twice as hard to come out. And so you have to up the dose because it's not working anymore. And then eventually it just doesn't work at all because you're are you're so toxic that um you can't you can't cover it up. That is exactly what happened on the oxycotton thing. So like, you know, people were addicted and then they were like, it's not working. It's not working. It's not working. I need more. I need more. I need more. And, you know, the doctors were all too willing to do that, to up the dosage. And the sales reps were all too happy to have that happen because they got their next sports car or whatever they were getting. And um, yeah, so that's just, that's, that that's just, ooh, that's craziness. So uh, let me ask you this. In homeopathy, all right, so let's talk about something like sulfur or Ruxhaus or anything like that. These homeopathic, you know, remedies. Do they have that same ability to stop working and need more? The body? No, well, no, they don't work that way. They work synergistically with the body to help complete whatever the body's trying to do. So the symptoms resolved, it's not suppressed. So if a remedy initially is working and then it stops working, it's because you've progressed to a different stage of healing. And so you just need to um, reevaluate what the symptoms are at that point in time, how much they, what's changed, what hasn't changed. Um, if it's simply that, you know, that remedy worked and then it didn't, then we go up a step. Um, it, it, and everything about it gives you information. If a remedy doesn't act, then it's not the right, it's not the right frequency for what the body's trying to do. So, you know, Dr. Cowan says there's three reasons that you're sick. You're either malnourished, you fell off your horse. Or you're delusional, right? So wait a minute. Got, wait, what? Hang on a second. What was number two? Uh, trauma, injury. You fell off your horse. Oh, okay, okay. So you have uh, you're either malnourished, you either have a trauma, or, or accident, or you know something like that. And then number three was what? You're delusional. Oh, delusional. What? Um. So P S O S. Okay. <laughs> yeah and uh so that's why with homeopathy etiology doesn't always make any difference because you're looking at the symptoms and all symptoms come from one of those three things right mm -hmm. so the outward symptom mm -hmm. is the body trying to heal itself the way it's presenting so you put all of the pieces together of how how these healing mechanisms are presenting to choose the proper remedy to encourage that to go to completion or to resonate with um you know the right frequency so and that has a lot to do with um a lot of different things and all remedies have a huge 
number of things that they affect and it depends on the individual as to where it's coming from. So a lot of times it's difficult. You can't just say, well, I have the same, same problem as this other person does. I need the same remedy. Well, maybe, maybe not. So it's not like recipe like, like that. It depends on how you're presenting and what your body is going to, what your differences are and what your body is going to respond, resonate with best. So, I mean, there are some things that work for specific things pretty much regardless, but um, that would fall more into like injury and acute type things like almost all joint stiffness and things like that will respond at least some to Roostox. Um, almost all soft tissue trauma and bruising will respond to Arnica, things like that. So there, you know, there's acute things that are very consistent, but anyway, right. that's why it's so difficult to parse out what, what the right schedule is. So how do you help pet parents that are a little bit um, frustrated that things aren't going as fast as they should? I try to figure out what the best course would be and point out, you know, what toxic inputs there might be. And I don't know, you start with the obvious first. And if the obvious doesn't work, then you, that tells you something. So you move forward from from there and hopefully they're committed enough patient enough to stick with it to figure out what the right thing is well if you guys um need some extra help you need some hand holding you need an alternative to suppressing <laughs> issues in the body you want to work with neely piazza and she may cry a little yeah, Mike. <laughs> Believe me, I'm as frustrated as you are when stuff is not going on the same schedule we'd like it to. It's uh it it we we we're in the pet health industry, okay? Our focus is on helping your pet get better, feel better, live a better life. And and Neely is there. You can find her on her website, which is whole W-H-O-L-E, wholeanimalwellness.com. Uh, she has a chat there, or you can find her through um, our expert section there at rawdogfoodandco.com. Just go to the expert section. Neely's the first one. Um, I like the form on our site just because it gives Neely all the information that she's going to ask you anyway. Absolutely. It's a little more, um, yeah, a little less time consuming. If yeah. You go through them. Yeah. Eventually, eventually, I'll figure out how to put an intake form on my site, but I haven't got there yet. <laughs> I, you know what? Look, my husband's the techie guy. I'm telling you, if I had to I do, I know he put the that up there in like ten minutes. Yeah. I mean, we're like right now, so we're doing the cancer, you know, the cancer webinars. You will be able to find that on my site. I'm gonna put that in courses, uh, webinars. 
and it will be where you can download it immediately. But that is techie. And uh, obviously that's something that um, my husband has to do with along with our programmers. So if you want to join that webinar, which this this is going to be uh, the crux of it, sort of like what you want to feed, what you don't want to put in the body, all of these different types of things that we're really going to concentrate on. The first part was mindset, really understanding sort of what, like you were talking about, Neely, understanding that toxins are not going to heal. And, um, you know, I did a, I did a uh, series years ago. This is when I was doing uh, speaking and that sort of thing. It was pretty, pretty poisons and tasty toxins, foods that kill and foods that heal was the name of it. And I did it um, on a human side, but that's really kind of what we're going to be talking about in this part two. And then part three will be the alternative modalities that you have um, options with your pet. So we hope that you guys. She's certainly right. Mindset has a lot to do with how you, how you see things and you need, you know, the powers that be have got us so trained to stay in this fear. You know, we get triggered so easily about about certain things that we, you know, mind turns to mush and we freak out and run to the doctor, right? Because mm-hmm. that's what we've been trained. That's what we've been trained to do. So it's really hard to untrain yourself to do that. Um, I mean, I was never that hardcore indoctrinated just because the way I, I grew up, but, you know, even I went through a little bit of that previous. Um, so I get it. It's hard to, it's hard to, as you would say, snap out of it, but, um, it's critical, absolutely critical to, to try to, to catch yourself when you do that and rethink things. And critically think, like you said. All right, everybody, get over to rawdogfoodandcompany.com. Join us on the cancer webinar next week. We'll see you then. Bye, Niels. Bye. Oh, snap. snap. Find out how you can start your dog on the road to health and longevity. Go to rawdogfoodandcompany.com, where friends don't let friends feed kibble and where your pet's health is our business. Just snap.